What's cracking, Big Dogs? Welcome, Bike to the Channel. This is Big Dogs Got Eat, BDGE Fantasy Football. I am Nicholas. That is Noah at FBGOT on Twitter. Make sure you are following both of us. Make sure you are subscribed to us on Patreon. <coughs> Woo! Patreon.com slash BDGE. We are talking about the fantasy football playoffs. It's never too early. We are approaching week 12. And if you're in a 12-team league, most of your matchups – in the playoffs start in week 14, unless you're blessed with a bye, which I will be in probably none of my leagues, unfortunately. Actually, no, there's a couple leagues I'm fighting for buys. But if, if you don't have a bye, then you need to know all three weeks. You need to know who are the best streaming options because at this point, tight end, quarterback, defense are all an absolute shit show, in my humble opinion. So today we are bringing to you the best streaming options for weeks 14, weeks 15, week 16. Some of them have 12 and 13 mixed in there if they got good schedules as well. So these are guys to stash. When I get to this point in the season, the bench spots are not as valuable in terms of finding upside because you don't find upside breakout wide receivers at this point in the season. You already know the depth charts. You know the snap rotations and things like that. So the way I maneuver my bench at this point in the season is handcuffs, high upside running back handcuffs, and then streaming options. So if you are rocking multiple defenses, this is the time to think one week ahead, even two weeks ahead. If you want to roster someone that's playing against like Miami two or three weeks down the road, and they have like three good matchups defensively in a row. So we're going to cover all that and more in today's video. Is we ready? Born ready. Get the intro. The first quarterbacks we're going to talk about I'm is so going to be. To go first. I just love it. I just. <laughs> Can I go first? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I'm not cutting this out. <laughs> the first quarterback duo we're going to talk about is Jacoby Brissett and Nick Foles. Now, everybody in this video is going to be below 60% owned, but a lot of these guys are going to be below 40, below 30% owned because um, in deeper leagues or even super flex, maybe a lot of these guys are rostered. Um, in this case, they really aren't. So we have Jacoby Brissett and Nick Foles, as I already said. Um, their matchups from week 12 through week 16, if you pick up these two guys, is absolutely beautiful. It's just all bright green pastures they get at Houston for Brissett, Tampa Bay for Foles, at Tampa Bay again for Brissett, Oakland and Atlanta for the last two games of the season. Um, a lot of those, like Houston, Tampa, Tampa, and Oakland, those are all pass funnel defenses. Um, Marlon Mack now injured. We don't know how long he's out for. Uh, maybe that really helps Jacoby Brissett get a little more volume in the passing game because Whoever they have in the backfield, whichever running back's last name starts with W, probably won't produce back there. So I'm going to be rolling with these two guys for the rest of the season. And sure, they might not give you that high ceiling just because, I mean, Brissett has like some legs, but you don't expect him to run for 50, 60 yards a week. But if I were to make weekly rankings, I don't see how either of these guys falls outside like the top 12 or top like 15, um, just based on these schedules and matchups below or provided on the screen. Um, I'm not sure if you feel the same way, Nick, but I like if you don't have a quarterback you can trust, like somehow you're like stuck with Sam Darnold or maybe a Daniel Jones. Like, would you feel comfortable just rolling out this uh, combination for the rest of the season? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely. I mean, you have to be intrigued by the schedule. It's absolutely fucking ridiculous when you can get Tampa Bay twice. I'm a little more hesitant about Nick Foles because he doesn't give you any rushing upside or any kind of rushing floor. Looked a little bit rusty in the first game. I'm also not sure if they stick with him for the remainder of the season. I feel like they threw him back into the lineup because – They kind of had to. 
Yeah, like it, they felt like they probably owed it to him after, you know, he started the season and he got that big contract and whatnot. And I do, if I had to put money on it, I would say he probably remains a starter for the rest of the season, but he's definitely on a shorter leash than I think a lot of people realize. So I guess, you know, just throw that in there. Like I would rather have, if you told me that Minshew was the starting quarterback and you showed me the brissette minshew combination, I think I feel a little bit better about that because Minshew's like a better fantasy quarterback because he gives you a dynamic way of scoring all the time. But it was good to see that Foles and, um, and DJ Chark got a really nice connection going because that's something that you can kind of bank on going forward. He's a big play threat. So big plays are always translating into fantasy points for quarterbacks, wide receivers, whatever. I like Jacoby Brissett a lot. So the fact that he has really good schedule going forward makes me pretty uh, optimistic about the pairing of Jacoby and Nick Foles. And I wanted to kind of talk about some of the worst playoff schedules for quarterbacks right now because a lot of the better quarterbacks that have led you to the point you're at right now, Patrick Mahomes, Dak Prescott, uh, Aaron Rodgers, if you're still rolling with them, and they have they have some tough schedules. So, like, Mahomes is at New England versus Denver at Chicago, weeks 14 through 16. Like, that is, that is absolutely brutal. I mean, he has kind of become a player over the last two years in which, like, can't say he's matchup proof, but you never know when, you know, he's going to bust. So it's not someone that you would ever consider sitting, sitting unless you have like Lamar Jackson against the smash spot uh, matchup. But like Dak is at Chicago Rams at Philadelphia last three weeks of the season. Obviously the Philly is uh, one you can exploit, but those first two are pretty tough. Aaron Rodgers gets Chicago at Minnesota weeks 15, 16. And then Josh Allen is the one that you could really take some actionable advice away from this because he is in the streaming consideration for this video. Week 14, Baltimore. Week 15 at Pittsburgh. Week 16 at New England. That's fucking murderer's row right there so I would I would suggest you at minimum get a quarterback off the uh wire who has two good matchups during that span and I'm not sure the exact schedule for those guys that we had listed Brissett and Nick Foles in terms of which one gets when but I'm sure one of them has two really good matchups in the playoffs so I would try to grab one of them if you are a Josh Allen owner and you have been riding him yeah a lot of those guys I feel like are matchup like aren't matchup dependent like they're matchup proof but maybe with uh Tyreek Hill now facing this like hamstring injury maybe Mahomes did we get an update on that I saw that like they're awaiting a timetable so I'm not sure if that means like it's gonna be a long time to return but I mean it seems like he should be back by the time the playoffs roll around it was good that yeah I mean it was good to happen during the bye week but now it's like it really fucks a lot of people who had been you know hopefully he was the guy getting them into the playoffs but the fact that he was like you know he needs to get an MRI to see the severity of it makes you feel like it's kind of shitty because a lot of guys would suffer a hamstring injury and then be like, ah, oh, you know, I just like tweaked it or it's like day to day or something. And they're coming out right out of the gate and like, ah, it's a little more serious. So yeah. that's unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, with Terry kill out Mahomes, maybe not the best option. Like Aaron Rodgers also doesn't necessarily feel like a guy that you can have in your lineup with hundred percent confidence whatsoever. Yeah. He doesn't give you much of a rushing floor. He used to actually use his legs quite a bit this season. I think he has like two rushing touchdowns and like only 30 yards once. So um, in those matchups, I know Minnesota isn't a great defense anymore. Like, if you hear the name Minnesota Vikings, they sound good. But in reality, their pass defense is atrocious. Um, Chicago is still a strong defense. But um, you can use Nick Foles in, week four, in weeks 15 and 16 against Oakland and Atlanta if you're really worried about it. Or if Minshew, by that time, like, we'll probably see Minshew if he's going to play this year. Like, they're not going to wait until week 17 to put him in. Or maybe they might. That's fake news. But um, you can just roll out Nick Foles in those two weeks to make up for those Minnesota and Chicago matchups for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you could do that. Or you could pivot to Baker Mayfield because the Browns have an unbelievable schedule going forward, or at least for the first couple of weeks of the fantasy playoffs. They take on Miami this week. So if you can, he's, he's the number one waiver wire 
pick up at the quarterback position because of the matchup this week, but you could hold on to him and play him three of the next five weeks with a ton of confidence. I know you haven't had any confidence up to this point in the season because he's been terrible, as has the entire offense. But they're getting – I don't want to say they're getting hot, but back-to-back multi-touchdown games for Baker, I think he might be bite. I think I think Baker <laughs> might be coming into his own. The article I wrote, I'm telling you, he just had to shave it all off. Did he shave it all off? I don't think so. I think, it I didn't think help he his Or whatever he did, he's, he, he looks more like a, a normal person. So maybe he did take your advice a little bit. I think Miami this week, smash bot for Baker Mayfield. They're playing at Pittsburgh, so I'm not necessarily going to – be excited about that, but he did just have a good game against Pittsburgh. And then Cincinnati, Arizona, weeks 14 and 15. He's home against Cincinnati. Then they're at Arizona, which I think is even better because that's going to lead to more pass attempts when you're on the road against a, a soft pass defense, one that's going to, on the flip side, pass the ball a lot. So weeks 14, weeks 15, week 12, you can actually have confidence having Baker in your lineup um, to combat some of those rougher schedules. Yeah, and week 13 and week uh, 16, he plays Pittsburgh and Baltimore, two tough divisional games. Guess yeah. what? Nick Foles those two weeks, plays Tampa Bay and Atlanta. Get that quarterback duo, ride them the rest of the season. We got all the big facts. We got all the big schedules. Uh, it's going to be beautiful. You guys follow this advice. I'm telling you right now. Big Another scary. guy for the fantasy playoffs that you want to stash. There's actually two Ryans on this list. One, I feel more confident telling you, so I'm going to slip him at the end. We got Ryan Tannehill, weeks 14 through 16. He gets three pass funnel defenses. He plays at Oakland and then two straight home games against Houston and New Orleans. He's been incredible ever since he's taken over. He's had two or more uh, total touchdowns. One game he had one passing, but he also used his legs and he got one on the ground. So he's given you a pretty solid floor with a good ceiling because he does use his legs. He's won over 30, I think 37 rushing yards these past two games. And I'm not sure if they're running off their rushing offense is going to be great uh, against Oakland, Houston, New Orleans. Just as I said before, they're more of a pass funnel. And A.J. Brown has looked good. He's stepped up. Jonu Smith is decent. Um, I just I have confidence in him down the stretch that he's going to give you a decent enough floor and a pretty good ceiling uh, against, these off- or against these opposing defenses. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the schedule is fantastic. And Ryan Tannehill has just been low-key, like a great fantasy quarterback up to this point. If you look at starting in week seven, 19, 19 points, week eight, 19.4, week nine, 23. Week 10, 18.9, so basically 19. So he's basically had at least 19 fantasy points in four straight weeks. And from a streaming quarterback, he's only 22% owned right now. Like, I don't think people – I think people think about Tannehill and they still think of that offense and they think of Mariota and they think of having no floor. Like, you you, you know, you're waiting for that Tannehill game of 11 fantasy points. And I don't, I don't know if it's coming. And if it is coming, it's probably uh, against one of the matchups, Jacksonville or at Indianapolis prior to when he goes on that – really good streak of of good matchups so like I I think Tannehill needs to get a little more credit I think he's a higher floor than most guys um, are really looking at right now so he's definitely someone that you could pick up so we have a lot of options at quarterback going forward with a a lot of you know it it just coincides that most of the streamers who are widely available all have really good schedules it's not like the Mahomeses and and the Lamar Jacksons and stuff like that all have the really good schedules towards the end of the year because you're not gonna be able to get them but luckily just the way this year has played itself out and you know, at this point in the season, like we know who teams are. It, when you do strength of schedule in the beginning of the year, it's a huge fucking waste of time. Like every time the NFL drops their schedule, I always get mad comments like, are you going to do a strength of schedule video? I'm like, shut no. up. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard because we have no idea who teams are. Like in the beginning of the year, if we went back and looked at the strength of schedules that people made in August based on what they thought teams were going to be, like you have no idea because all the teams ranked from like five through 25 are all, it's like a shit show. Like you think, 
you know, some of these teams are going to be uh, elite and they, they turn terrible and vice versa. So it's like not until like eight, 10 weeks into the season, do you actually know um, what a, a team's real identity is? So at this point, like you need to take schedules into account at, at, to a very, very, very high degree. Yeah. We have one more quarterback left and just coinciding with your argument of we know who players are. We have Ryan Fitzpatrick. We know he stinks. We know you're probably never going to put him in your lineup, but I'm going to tell you to do it anyways. Weeks 14 through 16, his schedule, like if he didn't have the name Ryan Fitzpatrick attached to him, you would start this quarterback every week. He gets the Giants or the Jets, the Giants, and Cincinnati. And another tidbit, I know it's not like great output, but in four of his last five weeks, he's put up 15 or more fantasy points. He's done that playing Buffalo twice and playing Pittsburgh over that span. Um, his one easy matchup was against the Jets. He had three touchdowns. He gives you a little bit on the ground in terms of rushing touchdowns. He throws a ton over his past four or five games. He's uh, attempted 37 passes per game. So the volume's going to be there. They just lost their running back that was already suspended for pulling a Kareem Hunt. Their other one does like the bird box challenge every time he gets the ball in his hand. So they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. Devontae okay. Parker is bike, as you would say. Uh, this that offense. Might been, that might have been the best joke you've had on this channel. Did you? Do you, did you think of that like way before this or did that just pop into your head? What? what you were talking about Caitlin Blage doing the bird box challenge. Oh yeah. My brain is just like a fucking mess right now. Okay. <laughs> just, I respect that joke a lot. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, this, this is a team Continue. that's going to throw let, against don't really, let it go to your head. Continue. <laughs> yeah, I won't. My brain is fucking hollow. Uh, <laughs> got <four> room left. <laughs> yeah. All, all I'm saying is they're going to throw a ton. These are beautiful matchups and Ryan Fitzpatrick hasn't been as bad as his name would suggest. Oh, sorry. You were done. I was, yeah. uh, I was, <laughs> I was rolling up my sleeves. And I wasn't, I didn't really hear uh, what you said. All right. So with that being said, a lot of quarterback options on the flip side with quarterbacks, tight ends are the ones catching their passes and tight ends are another position in which you stream. Uh, and if you have to stream a tight end, then you're, you're probably hurting right now because you're missing out on the guys who are playing pretty well. But since a lot of these passing offenses get easy schedules down the stretch, that also means that these pass catchers get these easy schedules. So we have Baker, and we'll just run right into the Cleveland Browns. David Njoku. So he's been on the IR, and he needs to get back on the practice field. But I believe he can return the earliest. Is this it week. this week if he's good to go? Yeah, there, he's not 100% to play, but he's eligible to return. Okay, so David Njoku, if for no fucking other reason that he plays Arizona at week 15, like <laughs> you, he needs to be rostered by week 14 strictly for that matchup i mean they do play miami uh, pittsburgh is a great pass defense but fantasy points allowed to tight ends they've allowed the six most this year so it's not necessarily a, a matchup in which you need to shy away from for tight ends cincinnati at home then again arizona so he has really really good matchups for the next four weeks so if he can get back on the field this week i'm definitely not suggesting that you start him yet because i'm sure they're going to kind of ease him into the role i also want to see what his dynamic is with kareem hunt here because hunt's running a lot of his snaps from the slot or out wide. So uh, they're getting a lot of other guys involved. So I'm not really sure what his involvement in the offense is going to be right away. So he's someone to stash right now, because obviously we know the athletic upside. Um, if Baker is getting into a groove, if this offense is starting to roll a little bit, then Njoku will be a part of that. And um, he's obviously a big red zone guy and you don't have other weapons on this team. Like you see Baker, like it doesn't really matter what tight end is on the field. He targets them in the red zone often. Odell's not scoring touchdowns. He's small. Jarvis is not scoring touchdowns. I mean, he is, but he's small as well. But when they get into that, you know, 10-yard line zone, Njoku's the only guy there that has any semblance of size. So um, I think David Njoku could have a really quiet, nice stretch over the next month or so of the season. Yeah, last week, 
Baker threw a touch on to some tight end I've never heard of, and he, like, absolutely mossed a guy. But I'm not sure if that speaks to how much he wants to use a tight end in the red zone or just the lack of confidence he has in other options. But if that's going to help, like, bring uh, fantasy points to David Njoku, especially weeks like 14 to 15, by that time we'll know if Njoku's 100% or if he's yeah. really a mainstay in this offense. And he gets Cincinnati and Arizona. So um, if by that time we know he's a focal point in this offense or at least he's getting, like, four or five targets, I'd have no problem rolling him out there as your tight end. Yeah, I mean, if he's getting 70% of the snaps, then by that time, I'm feeling pretty good because we don't get a lot of tight ends even even seeing that type of uh, work on the field. Yeah, and if you're nervous about him leading up to those games or even in week 16 when they play Baltimore, we have Irv Smith Jr. and uh, Kyle Rudolph, who is a lot more owned than Irv Smith. Irv is 3%, Kyle Rudolph is 55%, but they have a beautiful schedule. Weeks 13 through 16, they get Seattle, Detroit, and Green Bay, who are all top 10 in allowing fantasy points to tight ends. So if you if Kyle Rudolph is owned because he's one of the higher owned guys, just pick up Irv Smith. I'm, I know uh, Adam Thielen's coming back, which will hurt his snaps and looks, but he's averaging 4.8 targets a game over his past four or five games whenever, uh, what's his name, Adam Thielen went down. So he's getting a decent enough volume. He's being used in the red zone, and he's a pretty athletic guy who can break off big plays. So if you want to pick him up and pair it with David Njoku, you get the following schedule. It's Miami, 15th most points. Pittsburgh sixth most, Detroit seventh, Arizona first, Green Bay fourth. Uh, it's a beautiful schedule for those guys. If you just want to roster two tight ends uh, and roll them out from here on out. I don't know if, if in my good conscience, I could tell people to uh, play Irv Smith. But the fact that Rudolph is only 55% owned means that he is semi-widely available. And he's been like, I, I do want to see what happens when Adam Thielen comes back. But Rudolph has been super, super involved. I mean, he has five touchdowns in his last five games. which is He's Darren Fells of the North. Yeah, except now he's getting he's – he's actually putting up some yardage, 67 yard. Actually, I fucking lied because <laughs> prior to that was 14, 23, 17. Um, but, I mean, Rudolph seems like he's a guy that's putting together a little bit of a floor, and he's getting super involved by the red zone. Adam Thielen is a guy who scores a lot more often than people, I think, give him credit for. Um, so that will be an interesting dynamic when he comes back. But, I mean, uh, Rudolph's target number is 5, 5, 5, 3, 6. So he's, he's getting around four to five catches a game over the last – five weeks or so it's after a miserable miserable start I mean the first five weeks of the season he saw one target in four of those five games and then all of a sudden they flipped something they've been passing a lot more um, the run game has not been as successful as it has been in the previous uh, or the previous months or so you know September October now they've flipped the script a little bit and have had to throw a little bit more so um, it, it, it's been working for everyone in that passing offense digs uh, Rudolph, everyone, uh, Cook in the passing game is getting more involved because he's not seeing as much success on the ground. So that schedule makes me a little bit more confident in Kyle Rudolph. Um, so again, this is probably more for deeper leagues or guys who are a little bit more desperate at the position. But I think there are a lot of um, juicy streaming options for the remainder of the season. Yeah, and I know Irv Smith, as you said, is a pretty scary option to roll out there. So we have a different option with Njoku, and it's Ryan Griffin. And you look at this combined schedule, I know Griffin's going to be like a high-priority add this week, but rest of the season, if you combine Njoku and Griffin, you get Oakland, Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Arizona, and Pittsburgh again. Uh, they're all top 10 other than Cincinnati, but Cincinnati is an absolute dumpster fire. So um, I think that's just a beautiful schedule from here on out, especially with how much Ryan Griffin has been used. Um, now with Chris Herndon done, uh, he's getting usage in the red zone. He's playing like 80 to 90% of the snaps every week. Um, he's a high involvement player for a team that's probably going to throw because Le'Veon Bell, I'm not going to use the same joke as before, but Le'Veon Bell isn't a great running back right now on the ground. I, I appreciate you pivoting away from that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, Ryan Griffin definitely going to be a priority Ed, this week. 
his involvement in the offense has been so, so heavy. And just looking, it's similar to like Baker, where it's when he gets down to the red zone, it's, he's not, he's not throwing the ball to Robbie Anderson. He had the one touchdown this week, but other than that, Robbie Anderson's not really a red, red zone threat. He's just a deep threat. You have Demarius Thomas, who's moving like fucking 40 year old Demarius Thomas. I can't believe he's actually putting up the production that he is thus far into the season, but um, I, I'll, I'll proceed. He's like super on. consistent. He gets like 47 yards every week. It's like ridiculous. Yeah. And then Jameson Crowder is scoring touchdowns, but they're all from like 30 yards out. So he doesn't actually have red zone weapons that he likes. It's, it's either Herndon when he was in last year or it's Ryan Griffin this year. So he's a really uh, highly involved player in this offense. I, I mean, I don't think anyone saw that coming, even with Chris Herndon being out. But on that note, though, like Jacob Hollister is 34% owned. And I, I don't think people realize like how good he might be down the stretch. He is, he gets he is Arizona week 16. Yeah, exactly. He has been Will Disley but more athletic. Like he's putting up the same numbers and his involvement in the offense has been crazy the last few weeks. And the schedule is a little bit tough. It's Philly. uh, It's Minnesota in week 13, I believe. Uh, But when you get to the playoffs, I mean, like you said, Arizona, he gets in week 16. Carolina has been good against tight ends, but like I'm almost at the point where maybe I need to see one more game out of him. But if we see a good showing out of Jacob Hollister, even if it's like four for 60, uh, I'm going to consider him matchup proof because of the involvement in this offense. Yeah, a lot of the pass catchers in Seattle, like, it doesn't really matter. Russell Wilson is so good that, like, he can just improvise and he'll get Jacob Hollister open down the field. Like, I remember early in the season, Will Disley, like, he's not the most athletic guy. He just gets open because Russell Wilson uses his legs. He just escapes and the defense doesn't really focus on a guy that looks like a left tackle. So he goes down the field, he catches a 40-yard pass, and that's – if you catch a 40-yard pass as a tight end, you're basically locked in as a top 20 option that week. Yeah, that's what I mean. And, and Hollister is way more upside. Like, he's going to get the same involvement that Disley did just because he's in that role. And it seems like Wilson really takes kindly to who, whatever tight end is in his offense. He runs a, a sub 4-7-40, which is, like, fantastic for any tight end. And that gives you that type of playmaking upside on a weekly basis. So uh, I really think we see one more good week out of Hollister, and he will be in every week tight end one um, going forward. And a lot of people dropped him because he was on a bye this week, and he is pretty widely available, which I was very – uh I was really, really surprised to see. So the schedule is not necessarily there outside of week 16, but I think he's someone that, um, like I said, is is definitely someone you should try to grab now because he could, I don't want to say league winning because I feel like that term gets thrown around for like fucking every player, but he's someone that could, like Will Disley was semi-winning you weeks in the beginning of the year. Like if you picked him up and you were starting him during his six for 70 and two touchdown games, like that's a cushion that you put up on your opponent that it's going to be really hard to come back from. And I could totally see a, a few of those Hollister weeks uh, down the stretch. Yeah. And his routes run and his snaps weren't even that high for Disley, but he was being used when he was playing. And we see the same thing for Hollister. Like Luke Wilson still gets some run run. Uh, getting a lot of routes where I was looking at it, uh, week nine, he had the third most routes amongst tight ends. And then week 10, he was like top six again. So it's like, they really want to use this dude. Yeah. I know Ed Dixon's coming back, but I'm pretty sure he's like super old and he's like athletic, but that was probably when he was like, like 12 years ago, he took those like testing numbers. But yeah, I'm, I'm totally in on him, especially in week 16. But you can't ever count out a Seattle Seahawk. Like this offense is just full of like athletic playmakers. And he's not going to lose any work because like Ed Dixon returns. Yeah, I'm also intrigued to see what happens with Tyler Lockett because they are coming off the bias. So everyone kind of forgot, but he had that serious leg injury. They said he should be ready for this game. But I mean, there's always the off chance that he's not. And if Tyler Lockett is out of the lineup, like I can't imagine Hollister seeing anything fewer than eight targets this week so he's a guy that I will say for the 37th time your asses have to pick up Jacob Hollister ready to talk some defense yeah I won't bore them with that last tight end one it's like picking up five different guys and just going crazy with it 
Yeah, we'll we'll drop a comment or put something in the description about what he's referring to because honestly, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> but we're going to speed things up. Uh, where do you want to start it off? Uh, we'll start with Cleveland. So first off, we have the Cleveland Browns defense, forty nine percent owned. Now looking at their schedule, they only have like two teams in the green. It's Miami and Cincinnati. Um, although Pittsburgh at this point, like they're eighteenth in fantasy points allowed to defenses, but Mason Rudolph is absolutely atrocious. I wouldn't be surprised if by then they just move on to Devil and Hodges. Either way, Cleveland Browns are a pretty good defense, so I'd expect them to get to the quarterback in Pittsburgh because he doesn't know how to throw the ball, and Juju Smith-Schuster's hurt. Uh, what's his name? He's also hurt. Deontay Johnson. So that could be a decent matchup. But what we can do with this is we can take this schedule, combine it with the New York Giants, who are 7% owned, and it gives you the following matchups. You get Miami, Pittsburgh, and then for the fantasy playoffs, you get Cincinnati, Miami, and Washington, all incompetent teams. Uh, Cincinnati and Washington have rookies that shouldn't be starting right now, but are starting. Miami has a 38 year old that plays like a rookie who shouldn't be starting, but is starting. Uh, Pittsburgh has like a second year guy. It's basically like all pseudo rookies and actual rookies. So um, I'd be perfectly fine playing these two defenses, even though they're not like the elite of the elite in real life or for fantasy up to this point. Yeah, I do have a somewhat of an issue playing defenses that are when I'm trying to stream defenses. And if you follow me long enough, you probably know, my my formula it's you know first of all you want to pick a team that's favored to win their game you don't want to stream a defense that's going to lose their game and you want to look at you know the bigger the spread of the game the better you could just go on big uh, google and type in like Vegas spreads for this week you also want to look at if it's a if it's a lower spread then you want the over under to be lower you don't want a lot of points scored in a defense if it's a higher spread I typically stay away from it unless they're like really really big favorites so if it's like Kansas City and over-under is like 54, but they're like 10-point favorites. That's a really, really good formula because you know the opposing team is going to pass the ball a lot. And you don't necessarily want points scored against you if you're, you know, you're a starting defense for fantasy purposes. But that also leads to, you know, more passes leads to more sacks, leads to more turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, strip sacks, things like that. So that's the, the highest likelihood of scoring a defensive touchdown. So um, I like both those matchups. And look at that Green Bay. I think if you have an extra roster spot, the move right now for this week, wait until maybe Sunday morning when you figured out your entire roster and you had that extra spot. Pick up Green Bay right before the week kicks off because next week they play at New York at the Giants. Then week 14, they play at home against Washington. Week 15, they play at home against Chicago. So those are definitely matchups in which you could take advantage of. Um, so Green Bay has been on and off in terms of like real life fantasy. But as long as the matchups are good and they're, you know, at least average in real life, those are teams I like to stream. I don't necessarily like Houston, even with a good matchup, like they get um, Denver, Tennessee, Tampa. Actually, none of those are really that good. And I wouldn't suggest, but just giving an example, like Houston just got fucking washed. They're a really, really bad defense. So even if they were playing like, at home against, I mean, uh, you know, Washington is a whole different story. I would probably play them against them. But if it's not a bottom three offense, I'm not really looking to stream them, even if they are favored to win. So uh, tiebreaker for me is always looking at, like, the real-life defense and what are the chances that this other team is going to pull, you know, like a fast one out on them and actually win the week. But I, li I like Green Bay as well, their schedule. Yeah, yeah they're only 23% owned. I thought I left them out because they were too high owned because I did notice that schedule, but I guess not. So, yeah, that's a great defense. Um, they're actually a pretty good in-real-life defense, too, so that goes along with what you were saying. Um, and yeah, I agree. The Giants and uh, the Browns, they aren't great teams in real life, but a lot of these games I assume are going to be really low over-unders. I'm um, playing against Pittsburgh and Miami and all that, so um, maybe it'll fit into the formula by then, but I wouldn't bank on it, but at this point, if you're desperate for a defense, I don't think it's a terrible option to stack those two for the rest of the season. 
Yeah. And I'm looking at some other teams and really like, again, the advice I would give is to sit down. Like this shit is important. Like you played 14 weeks to get into the playoffs, make sure you got your defense straight. So sit down for five fucking minutes, go onto Yahoo, go onto your site and look at the schedules and mix and match them. Make sure that for weeks 14, weeks 15, week 16, you already have streamable options because you don't want to be stuck going with like the fucking lions at the giants or something where it's like a good matchup, but you don't feel good about it when you can have just planned one week in advance. I, I'll, I will be, I guarantee you out of like the five leagues I'm in, actually two of them are dynasty. So we don't roster defenses, but out of the three redraft leagues I'm in, there will be a point either next week or the week after where I'm rostering three defenses so that I can have pristine matchups. I'm telling you the bench spots are for streamers and high upside running backs at this point, because the bye weeks are gone. You don't need bi-week replacements. Guys are either fucking injured out for the year, so they're not on your team, or the wide receivers already have their roles in the offense. So this is like, I'm telling you, you could stash two defenses and mix and match them together. Just go. Um, because, you know, also if you're rostering <clears throat> like the Patriots or the Ravens or one of these upper echelon teams, like they're going to have tough matchups over their remaining weeks. Like I know New England plays against Kansas City, and you're probably going to play the Patriots, but if you wanted to pivot off them, just look at that week then go to the upcoming schedules of the other teams and see what streaming option that's only available in, or that is available in like 70% of leagues that you could pick up just for that week and have them sitting there, you know? Yeah. I was just going to say like the rest of the ones that I have listed on here are like not good teams in real life. They just happen to have really good schedules like Philadelphia. Um, their defense isn't great in real life, but they get Miami, the Giants and Washington. Uh, the Jets also get a good schedule. They've been pretty decent fantasy wise. They get Cincinnati and Miami these next two weeks. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, these aren't teams that, you maybe want to stash the rest of the season, but these are definitely like teams that you want to mix and match. As Nick was saying, like look at weeks 15 and 16 games where New York jets play Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Um, maybe you just want to keep them for weeks 13 and 14 when they play Miami or Cincinnati, Miami, you find a team that gets good week 15 and 16 matchups and you roll them out there. I know the giants have good matchups. Then they play Miami and Washington, but um, yeah, if you don't want to roll with them, just look elsewhere because you have time to prepare for this. I mean, it's still week 12. So by week 14, you should have these guys set. Uh, you have enough time to do so. And there's probably a myriad of defenses that you can pick up before your other league mates do. Yeah. And the tough part is like, do I want to stream a defense that's got a good matchup, but not great? Like the only ones I would say that you could play against them, even if the real life defenses are shitty are like Washington, because Dwayne Haskins is ridiculously turnover prone. And same with the Bengals because um, Lindley's just not going to get it done over there and he's going to continue to turn the ball over and throw interceptions and things like that so it doesn't even matter like you said like the New York Giants not a good real life defense they play Washington in week 16 so it's like you know you're going to play them because they're almost guaranteed two to three turnovers a few sacks and things like that so again maybe go take maybe like reverse engineer this look at the really bad teams look at their schedules and say like oh week 15 you know they play team x then go to Team X's schedule and be like, oh, do they have any other weeks that are streamable as well? Like, how early can I pick them up in order to stash them? Because, I mean, if, if a team has a good Week 15 or Week 16 matchup, right now is a, probably a little bit too early to stash them. But what if they have a good Week 13 matchup? Then you can hold them for next week and then hold them through one more week, get them for Week 15. So you're using them two out of the next three weeks as opposed to just holding them for four weeks down the stretch. Yeah, I love that strategy. That's what I did to make these charts right here is like you look up a team like maybe Tampa Bay who turns the ball over a ton or like a Washington type in like Tampa Bay schedule or Washington schedule. Look at week 16 and 15 who they play, pick those guys up and stash them if they're pretty good defenses and if they're available. That's really the best way to go about it because I'm not sure there's like too many resources that give you exact uh, strength of schedule for the playoffs. Yeah, um, it, it gets tough because there aren't any websites that actually like list them out and give you a 
good indication of exactly how, you know what, you know what is good. If you play on, you play on Yahoo and you have the Yahoo app, you can go to the players, like the waiver wire, basically, and you can go to defense. And like, if you click on the defense, I'm not sure if y'all will be able to see this, but you can click on the defense and go to the game logs. I'll send you a screenshot if it's not really showing up on the video. But next to uh, like the game log, they show all the upcoming opponents. And then they also show the, you know, rank in terms of fantasy points allowed to whatever position you're at. So I'm looking at like the Cleveland defense and it shows, you know, Miami allows the, the most points to fantasy defenses, Cincinnati, the fourth, fourth most. So it basically takes your chart and it just puts it into like a very consumable, like bite-sized little chart right there. So that makes it very easy. So if you play on Yahoo and you use the fantasy app, I'm sure you could actually look at this stuff without even playing on Yahoo. If you just download the Yahoo fantasy app, go on there. They probably let you look at the players without actually having a league in there. So that might be the easiest way for y'all to go about doing so. Yeah. And also put a link, uh, pro football reference has a good resource where it tells you like points allowed uh, to a certain position, whether it's quarterback, tight end, running back, it shows you like how many targets they've given up receptions and stuff like that. Um, I'll put that link in the description, I guess, if you want to check it out. Um, you can just type in like points allowed uh, pro football reference and it should show up. But that's what I use a lot of the time to find out like which defenses are strong and which are weak against certain positions. Word. So we'll, we'll throw all the resources that we mentioned throughout the video down below in the descriptions and the comments or whatever. All we ask is that you all hit the thumbs up button if you enjoyed, if you got value from the resources, the information that we're spewing out to y'all. Thank you for joining us. As always, make sure you subscribe to the channel. If you are new, uh, tune in for tomorrow's video, which is the injury report with Dr. Jesse Morse. Friday will be fade the public Saturday is the Patreon live stream. If you want to join us on Patreon for some more exclusive fantasy content, you could do so. Patreon.com slash BDGA. Hit that thumbs up button. See y'all. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.